listeners, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. And I am your host, Philip Anthony, joined today by my co-host, Austin Ball Hagen. And I would like to thank everyone for joining us today. And we hope that you're all doing fantabulous. Yeah. And what is fantabulous? It is fabulous and fantastic put together yeah, the other way that's okay okay Fat, fantastic and fab, put together it's also twice as nice twice as nice and it saves what saves time, time. yeah there we go okay we got to get the whole thing in there yeah yeah so um today is going to be our co-host day and i'm and, and i'm sure you all noticed we're missing someone today uh matt Abinson is not here today he's not he's under the weather and we hope he gets better real, real soon. We miss you, um, Matt, and so does Austin. Absolutely. We're hoping you're back up on your feet in a couple of days and doing doing better in time for the holidays. Yes, and we wish you a very happy holiday as well, Matt. Get better, okay? We want to see you here next time, okay? And another thing I want to talk about is today, today's show is the 50th episode of the show. What? That's did exciting. You, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't either until, well, when I did the legwork for the show and I looked and I said, this is episode 50. That's craziness. Congratulations. Oh. You've been doing this for 50 shows. I know. And, I'm, you know, it, that's it, exciting. It, yeah, I have, I'm, I'm speechless right now. I'm, I'm, I didn't realize it again until I, you know, did the legwork and said, oh, this is episode 50. So um, thank you all for spending 50 episodes with us. And um, and Austin's been here. Well, she had her own. Sh we did a show with her alone. Mm -hmm. You did the anniversary show and yeah. you did the first co-host show. This is your fourth time. This I think. is numero four. Numero cuatro. <laughs> not quite 50 <laughs> yeah well in time you may be here 50 <laughs> times and who knows you know um so um also we're going to talk about christmas a little bit before we start the show because we, we got to get deep in the weeds about all the drama that's going on in this country but um do you have any plans for the holidays um up? we don't really do anything big or special this is my favorite time of the, the year though i love winter i love when it gets cold um, I, I love the outdoors. My body doesn't do great on ice, but, um, you know, I was made to take some falls and it was a good choice. So. You don't look like a sled to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you do anything special? Well, um, yes. Um, we, we were invited to have a Christmas day dinner at a friend's. Nice. And then boxing day, we're going to be doing something as well. Very so, nice. Yeah. So I have two days to celebrate the holidays. Yeah, I'm mean, looking awesome. forward to the good food and the camaraderie, excuse me, the friendship. Um, that's the important thing with the holidays, guys, right? Is Absolutely. having people that you love, people that you care about around you. And I think we forget that sometimes. It's it's not about, you know, going out and buying presents and, you know, the 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 capitalism of the of the season. It's more about love. It's more about the connections and, and yeah, and family and friends. Absolutely. So um, I guess we're going to have to start the show now. Uh, 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 we have to get a little sad first, and then we then we move ahead. Yes. You know, we, we try to uplift. After we talk about the, you know, the doldrums, then we move up to the crest and the peak, right? Is that, that, that's my aim in the show, right? Awesome. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. End on a good note. Yeah, and exactly. We have to try to do that. So today, uh, uh, this is going to be a little longer, this question, so then, you know, you can help me out afterwards. Uh, today, I thought we'd start about talking about an issue that can be um, very well affect all childbearing people in this country. And um, a Texas woman named Kate Cox, have you heard about her? Mm-hmm. Um, and her doctor requested permission from a lower Texas court to proceed with the termination of her pregnancy due to her diagnosis of full trisomy 18. It's a, it's a chromosomal anomaly. Due to her, uh, uh, this diagnosis, an extreme chromosomal anomaly, I left the extreme out, which meant that if her baby was even born alive at all, the child would survive only minutes or hours outside of the womb, possibly a day, they said. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, a pregnancy was going to end in heartbreak. The only question was when, right? Um, if she was forced to go through with the pregnancy, there would be a chance she would die or never be able to give birth again. That's it's, So it's, it's critical, right? Mm-hmm. And a lower court judge said that she could receive the abortion care she requested. So it started off on a good note, right? But uh, within hours of the ruling, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who was impeached, by the way, you know, sent thre- a threatening letter to the employers of Cox's doctor saying, quote, we feel it is important for you to understand the potential long-term implications if you permit such an abortion to occur at your facility, basically threatening the facility with mm-hmm. his, using his power as attorney general. Paxton then appealed the ruling to the Supreme Court of Texas, Texas Supreme Court. Knowing how precarious her situation was, Cox left the state to seek a safe abortion before it was too late. You know, the longer you wait, the more precarious it is for her and um, her future um, ability to give birth. Um, So to add insult to injury after Cox left the state, the Texas Supreme Court agreed with Paxton and said that the doctors had not proven that, quote, Cox's condition poses the risks the exception requires, basically ignoring the life of the mother exception your thoughts. I know this is a long question. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about this because, you know, uh, this is, this is craziness. It really is. It's, it's long and it's complex and it is something that, um, right. So there's, there's a number of different issues here and you, you've got, um, in anybody that has seen the interviews with Miss Cox and, and the heartbreak that she has gone through, um, in terms of th- this is an extreme risk to her. This is a risk to her if she ever wants to have a child in the future. Um, and and knowing that if she were to have had to carry that pregnancy to term, um, it- it's likely that it wouldn't have been viable, um, which puts her at extreme risk. And in addition to that, even if even in a in a you know slim chance that she would have delivered a live birth that child immediately would have been put into hospice care um, and lived minutes, hours, maybe days. And, and, and what kind of existence is that for, for someone, for her, for her child is, is just nobody should have to face those decisions. Um, but adding to that, um, already being a horrible situation, you've now got her dealing with this legal mess entanglement in Texas um, in a, in a, judicial system that is not designed to handle these types of questions in a timely or effective manner. Um, and when you're making these big healthcare decisions, um, you know, even waiting 
you know, you find out one thing, hours later you're being told another. Um, it puts her in in jeopardy. It puts the people that facilitate healthcare in jeopardy. Um, and medical providers should not have to face these kind of hoops or jump through them um, to give care. And, and abortion is healthcare. At the end of the day, abortion is a necessary part of healthcare. And for women in Cox's position, um, and I, I should preface, um, not just women, for people in Cox's position. And I want to say thank you for using the term um, or phrasing it as people that um, bear children because there are women that bear children. Child-bearing children. Men, I'm child-bearing people, excuse me. Yeah, yes. men and non-binary people. So thank you for phrasing it that way. Um, but, you know, for those people to be in a position where um, you're faced with literally having to go through so many additional steps on top of the emotional heartbreak of having to make these decisions for yourself, for your family. Um, in many of these cases where where things get to this point, um, you know, these are people that wanted to have children. They're trying to have children. These are not people, and, and the reasons why somebody wants to seek an abortion don't, I mean, they should not matter. That's your choice and your decision. Um, but it, it's just unfortunate that we then burden these people with so many extra legal hoops that they need to jump through and the vitriol that's thrown at them and the attention that you're suddenly thrust into the spotlight when you're just trying to take care of yourself and your family. Mm -hmm. And this poor woman, she um, has to leave the state where she feel where her, her support system is, mm -hmm. her family, her friends. She has to leave a state, go somewhere completely strange to her, be around strangers. Unless I mean, we don't know the situation. I'm, I don't want to say that, but uh, I don't want to, you know, jump to any conclusions. But I'm, I'm what I'm thinking, I'm hearing is that there, all I mean, she has maybe one person that did accompany her um, to uh, another state, and, they, and the state hasn't even been revealed. We don't even know for her for own their safety protection. Exactly, exactly. And um, what do you think about uh, um, another thing? I'm hearing as well. This case is scaring OBGYNs to mm -hmm. death. They are scared to practice in Texas. Um, what do you think this is going to do for female health care in these red states? It, it is very alarming. Um, and there was a case in Kansas a while back um, with a woman that was seeking, she, she needed an abortion. Um, and it was determined to be life threatening. And they were like, oh, well, we're not sure. We got to we got to see what the court says. She went to several different hospitals who were like, "Ooh, we really need to call our legal team before we look at you. Um, and and she has now sued. Um, and I, I forget the name of it, but she has now sued with this this delay in healthcare and people that were afraid of making these decisions for the impact that it would have on them. Um, and, and this was all right before the can. This was like the same time this was all up in the air in Kansas before the vote, like certified that, yes, um, Kansas was not going to, you know, ban abortion. Um, but even in that kind of gray area where people were like, oh, we don't know if this is going to pass or not. You literally have healthcare providers saying, mm, let me call my legal team before I administer life-saving care. Um, this woman uh, that, that had to endure that has now sued because of the delays with that. She can never have children again. Um, and she wanted to be a mother. She she wanted to to start a family. And there are still other ways people can start families and, and other, you know, you can adopt children, you can foster. Um, there are many ways to create a family and they're all beautiful and wonderful and one does not have value over the other, but to go through that when that was what you had planned, I mean, that that's why this is a choice, right? People make a choice about how they want to start their family and what they want to do. Um, and, and 
when healthcare providers are put in a position that their hands are tied or they feel like they can't administer life-saving treatment, um, you know, I'm not a doctor, but uh, it's Neither my understanding I, yeah. you take a Hippocratic oath to to do, you know, to help, to do no harm, and it seems like we're doing harm. Yeah, so. we are. And 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 that poor young girl in, um, I, I'm not sure of the state, it's escaping me, but she, she was like 10 and she got she got raped and she got pregnant and she had to go to another state, a 10-year-old girl. I think that was Ohio? Could be. Okay, I might be wrong on that, but yeah, it was. It doesn't matter. It's, horrendous. It, 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 it could be anywhere because you know we're America. We're supposed to be one country, you know, not not a bunch of little uh, duchies as mm -hmm. they call it. But um, but see, this is my thing. If you don't want an abortion, don't get one. I don't think our side ever forced anybody not to. Uh, I mean, to get a, an abortion, we just want you to have the choice if it's safe for you. What 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 your the people around you think? What you think is it healthy for you? There's so many variables about abortion. Um, it's healthcare for the woman on top of it. Mm -hmm. So, what, what do you think about that th that expression when people say, "If you don't want an abortion, don't get one"? Um. So. <laughs> In theory, right? That's a good. That's a good thing. Um, yes. The problem with that is, is um, you're right. It is a complex issue, and there are a lot of people that um, think you know, it's a life. Think it's well. Think it's a life. There's also people that think, um, or not necessarily think, but find themselves facing a position where this is not the ideal outcome that they wanted, but this is what they need to go through to protect themselves, to protect, um, you know. It, a good chunk of women, people, I should say, a good chunk of people that receive abortion care, um, they're already parents. And they might be making that decision because it's the best outcome for the children they already have. Um, it might be a decision because of their situation, for their health. Um, it, it's not our business to know. Um, and, and with that, you know, abortion can't just be available, it also has to be accessible. Um, and so when we and see safe. and safe and when we mm -hmm. see restrictions put in place, um, for example, like hospital admitting privileges was a hot one for many years where Republican legislators, legislatures were requiring all of these additional steps to allow abortion providers to continue existing that like other facilities that perform far more dangerous procedures don't have to have. Um, and and it, it basically made it so, yes, abortion was still technically legal, but it was not accessible. So it's it cannot just be available. It has to also be accessible. Yeah. yeah. And I and I always talk about my um, personal experience with abortion. Uh, the reason why I'm, I am pro-choice, um, my my uh, great aunt. Uh, this is back in the 30s, I want to say. Could be the 40, early 40s. I'm not quite sure. But she uh, lived in New York. Obviously, it was before Roe versus Wade was uh, the, the the case was even introduced. And um, uh, Roe versus Wade became law. Uh, 1930, I want to say, I think it might have been 38-ish. I'm not sure. But she had to go to a, um, she got pregnant. On a, she was date raped. Mm. Uh, and oh. she didn't want to have this man's baby, and neither would I. Yeah, personally. Uh, My, completely understandable. You know, she went to a back alley in New York um, to get this abortion, and she almost hemorrhaged. She was bleeding profusely. They had to, they barely got it to stop bleeding, and she had two stillbirths after that because 
they did something there. Again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know the scientific reason why that was happening, but it took her uh, three or four pregnancies to finally give birth to my um, my cousin. Oh, wow. So yeah, and so um, see, the, everybody has a personal reason, you know, why they pursue uh, this procedure. And it and, and again, it's it, it's. I feel the Americans have a lot of problems with people keeping their mind, uh, uh, minding their own business. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 this one country, I think, of the whole world, where people look at other people and go, "You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that." And you know, you become the moral majority, the moral policeman. You know, and I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. I'm done. And I and I think. Um, I don't want another woman to go through what my great aunt had to go through. So, yeah, that's why I brought this up. You know, um, absolutely. I, I'm hoping that more and more states have, uh, you know, a referenda where they can vote. If you let the people vote, you notice what they're doing, even in red states. Right. What are they doing? They're voting to keep choice, the choice on the table. Mm-hmm. They're not saying, and and this other thing, I have to say this before we, and we've been on abortion a long time here, but it's an important issue. It is. Um, you know how you hear on the other side, oh, Democrats want to have abortions in the eighth month. You know, they, 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 they no, we don't want that. We, we want the availability if this, if what's happening to Miss Cox is going to happen to another woman, we want that on the table. Yes, we do. Because if it's going to kill the woman, and obviously the the uh, fetus as well. We want to prevent that from happening. So, anyway, do you have anything else to, uh, to end this with? Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it comes down to the most qualified people to make decisions about what should and shouldn't be available, and what healthcare decisions um, a person seeks is that individual and medical professionals. It is not Republican legislators. It is not um, it, you know. It it comes down to those should be decisions made it in terms of healthcare. Um, but you know, the GOP loves to find government just small enough to fit in your doctor's office. Um, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So absolutely. Just, this is what I have to say. You don't, don't tell people what to do out there, guys. Take care of yourself. Worry about your family. Worry about your friends. Don't worry about what other people are doing, especially with their own body. On top exactly. Of it. Anyway. So now we have to piggyback on this. So <laughs> sadly, this is going to be a show about yeah, but it's an important issue. Again, it I have is. to, I can't stress it enough. Um, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear a case regarding mifepristone. You know that you've heard of that drug, mm-hmm. a drug used as a substitute for clinical or medical abortion. What do you think the result of that ruling would be, and what would the adverse effects be to women if if the court would find a ban would be okay? Yeah, it's um, this goes back to, again, abortion can't just be available. It has to be accessible as well. And, um, you know, the bulk of abortions in the U.S. are facilitated through the use of mifepristone. Um, it's been FDA approved and used for 20 plus years without, you know, it, it, it is a safe way to handle abortion. Um, and, and it cuts to, uh, you know, if there were to be a ban on this, um, yes, we do have wonderful states, and Minnesota is one of them where we have, um, you know, codified into law and made sure that there are protections in place for abortion care. And people are coming here and are seeking services here because they cannot get them at home. Um, and that is for people that are 
lucky enough to to be able to have that privilege to do so. Um, if, if there was a ban um, in place, there have been questions about the ability of, even in states where this is protected, um, about the availability and accessibility of it. So it, it does um, start to impact that. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, for people, regardless of um, income and regardless of social status and, and age and many other factors, need abortions, right? This is not limited to one class of people, one income bracket. Um, it's not limited to one race. And people that have the money and the privilege to travel will always have the ability to go somewhere and and seek safe abortion care. People that don't, um, really, it puts people in dire straits, whether that means um, they're seeking alternatives that are not safe, whether it means that they're um, choosing to proceed with a pregnancy that they cannot um, care, uh, care for whether, or, or that's safe for them to continue. Um, actually, interestingly enough, earlier this week, I was reading that, um, Florida, um, where they have really tried to crack down, uh, has actually had an increase in abortion rates. So, uh, Ron DeSantis's effort to stamp this out was not viable. Um, and, uh, he was quoted as saying, no, he would never go after women that seek an abortion. That's not his decision. Um, and really got taken to town with, because you passed these laws that said, you know, you're going to prosecute people, you're going to go after people. Um, and, and he really gave a, a waffly answer. So, yeah. And and I'm hearing also that they want to the Supreme Court may ban if they find in in favor of banning mifepristone uh, a ban on mailing it from state to state. Mm -hmm. So even if you live in a state where your um it's abortion quote unquote is legal, um you may not even be able to um get it if if the place that that produces the mifepristone is out of state so this is going to be interesting i'm 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 hoping that you know uh, again the freedom to do what you want with your own body is still going to be uh, available or, or, with an or, fda approved medication that's shown for over 20 yeah, years that not, it's perfectly yeah, safe that's thank you for bringing that up yeah it's a very safe uh, uh pharmaceutical that has never from what I'm hearing, ever caused anybody any harm. So, um, yeah, we have to hope that the, the court, um, well, you know, with this court, you know, you never know. You know, right. so they, they overturned double precedent with Roe, you know. Uh, yeah. you, you had two cases, Casey and Roe, uh, Casey buttressed Roe and uh, said that, you know, yeah, women have the right to, or, or again, or, or childbearing people have the right to an abortion if, if they show so choose that's a tongue twister mm -hmm. but um let's just let's just hope people write to your write to your congress people and hopefully this will um push them to maybe do something to prevent the uh the banning of of this important uh, pharmaceutical we so. certainly hope so yeah um now we're going to go on a different track here um, okay yeah we're going to talk about somebody uh, uh named uh, hunter biden you remember him I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Why is the gas? What my my husband makes me laugh. He goes, "Why are the gas price?" I said, "Why are the gas prices going down?" He goes, "Oh, it's Hunter Biden's laptop. Everything, everything is <laughs> Hunter Biden's laptop." I mean, it's hilarious. Anyway, as you know, House Republicans authorized an impeachment inquiry of President Biden despite the lack of evidence. So you, you're bringing up uh, this is hilarious to me, just to get back because Trump is telling him them to do that. I mean, mm -hmm. come on, it's you don't have to have a 
rocket science degree to know that. Anyway, I think they're having a problem distinguishing between the president and his son. You know, I think that's the issue here. Um, House Republicans are accusing the president of trading access during his time as vice president, vice president, and also the time afterwards. And uh, that the president profited from Hunter Biden's business dealings. Okay, so he wasn't even, so he wasn't president. He was vice president, if, if, if at all they could connect it, which it doesn't seem they are. And then also the time after he was president. So he was nothing. Mm -hmm. He was a citizen. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, so um, it's crazy, right? It is. And there's a couple, a couple points with this. So one, um, Congress does not, the House of Representatives does not have to uh, pass um, to proceed with an impeachment to interview witnesses, to um, to to read documents. They've read tens of thousands of documents have been turned over um, by the Biden administration and others um, in investigating this, and they've found nothing. There is no link that President Biden ever profited from anything, ever uh, used or exerted influence in a way to um, push for this or, or benefit himself or his family. Um, we have Republicans that have uh, been in favor of these impeachment inquiry um, that have outright said they do not believe President Biden has done anything illegal or criminal or that there's any tie here. Um, uh, Don Bacon, uh, representative uh, in Nebraska who voted for the inquiry, has said he does not think there's any link between um, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden on this. He doesn't think Biden's done anything wrong, but he fully supports the impeachment inquiry because of the 2024 election. And that has been a recurring theme from quite a number of Republicans um, that, you know, you're saying the quiet part out loud that on one hand, you're saying, hey, we're not finding any evidence and we don't think there is. But we're doing this because we want to influence the 2024 election and and create bad publicity. Um, and I forget his name. Um Oh, there's a congressman that when he was asked, like, why did you vote for this impeachment inquiry? His quote was Trump 2024, yeah, maybe. I was, I was, you, you read my mind. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, I don't I... know his name either. But uh, yeah, I saw the I saw that he was walking out of the Capitol and a, a reporter says, so what do you think of uh, uh, of this impeachment inquiry? He goes, Trump 2024. Mm -hmm. So that that's that in a nutshell, is what they are doing. They're trying to say, okay, you you double impeach Trump. So Trump's saying, let's let, let's impeach Biden. So mm -hmm. so it's an even split, and so uh, it makes him look bad, you know. And it's disappointing that um, you know something that uh, should be used and reserved and and should be taken seriously is now getting thrown out as a political tool that wastes time, it wastes money, it wastes government resources. Um, and, and the, the bigger, you know, people would argue, well, you know, you went after Trump, there was credible evidence there. There was, um, you know, significant findings from those, uh, impeachment inquiries. Like they're, these are not the same thing. You're, you're comparing apples and oranges when you try to put the two side by side. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I don't even have this on my notes, but I, as I was leaving the house and I told you in the car, we were coming here, uh, Shea Moss. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ruby Freeman oh. just were rewarded one hundred and four. This makes me laugh. I'm sorry, I have to chuckle. One hundred and forty-eight million dollars mm -hmm. for what Giuliani, uh, Rudy Giuliani, you know, you know who he is, people, right? Um, did to those two people, those two innocent people who were just election workers. Uh, yeah. Do you have a quick response? Because I, I didn't even plan on talking about it, but I was like, 
oh my God, $148 million. What do you think he first of all going to get get that money? I don't think he is. Um, he's still, he's being sued by former defense attorneys for a million dollars in unpaid legal fees that he owes them yet. He owes over $60,000 in phone bills that he hasn't paid. Um, he's still in a separate judgment. Um, uh, uh, previously had been these two women whose lives he destroyed. Oh, absolutely. Let's, let's go there. Um he owes them or he owes $200,000 in their legal fees on top of the 148 million that they've been awarded. Yeah. Um these women were threatened, harassed. They you know, they have been through the ringer oh, in know. terms of just being an election judge and then he leaves the courtroom and proceeds to continue to defame them. And I was so pleased to hear their attorney say, you know, we're open to future litigation if the problem continues. Defamation. Or, yes, defamation because it's it's clearly not being solved. And I, I don't – where Giuliani's descent into madness started, I'm not sure we can pinpoint, but it is progressively spiraling. It's the worst fall of a hero I can think of in, in my lifetime because this Just man wild. was America's mayor. Mm -hmm. After 9-11, he was, you know, out there in the breathing in the soot and – you know, talking to the um, first responders and doing all that. He was, you know, he was, I think he was time uh, person of the year in 2001, Might from what been. I remember. Um, and look what happened to him. He yeah. just fell into a rabbit hole with Trump. Mm -hmm. And I, and I told you in the car, right? Everything <laughs> that uh, uh, the ex-president touches turns to doo-doo. Because mm -hmm. I had, I don't, I don't want to say the other word. I'll say doo-doo. Totally understandable. It's good. Let's move to, and let's, again, let's keep on this tra train to, with Trump. You know, we have time here. Uh, the twice impeached ex-president, as some polls will substantiate, claimed he is getting more and more African-American support. This is a joke to me. I don't know. For his campaign, despite his stance on Obamacare, his opposition to greater diversity in the workplace, his efforts to restrict voting rights, and the Trump family's history of denying rentals to prospective black tenants, his taking out a full-page ad in the New York Times against the Central Park Five before hearing any evidence, which later exonerated all of them, and finally, his racist birther campaign. I mean, this man mm -hmm. is, is, a, is a steamroller of racism. I'm sorry. You, if you want to say he's not, deny everything I just said, then, you, then, you're, then you're lying. Mm -hmm. Okay? And, and I hate when people do this and they, and they try to make him out to be, you know, uh, Mother Teresa. He's not. I mean, these are all, I'm not making this up. This has been substantiated. I don't talk about baloney on my show. Mm -hmm. All right? So, um, any thoughts on if you believe, which I don't, um, uh, African-Americans will support him in greater numbers this year, this time around? Um, I don't think it's likely. Um, and I think I you hit the nail the on the. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the Come head on. when you when you mention um, efforts to restrict voting rights and access to voting. Um, you know, we have seen Republican efforts in many states that predominantly target communities of color. Um, and whether that be restricting hours and access to polling locations or moving them or closing and consolidating locations so that you wind up with these extremely long polling lines, um, ending access to early voting. Voting rights have been under attack for a long time. Can't even give water to people standing in line for hours, mm -hmm. which is inhumane to mm -hmm. me. I mean, I could go. Yeah, we could go on and on about that. But the thing that I want to say is 
I want to connect this to what we talked about with uh, Shay uh, Moss and Ruby Freeman. Absolutely. What do they have in common? Right. For Trump, they they looked for people that looked like uh, the people that don't like him mm -hmm. and tried to demonize them. And if you look at the cities where the the votes are considered stolen, Detroit, mm -hmm. Atlanta. Uh, Philadelphia. All, what do they have in common? So you see what I'm saying? There's a, there's a, a a trend that you you can't deny, right? Oh, absolutely. The GOP has done, you know, bent over backwards to disenfranchise Black voters, and um, and that's certainly not the only population, um, historically excluded population that they have tried to disenfranchise. Um, but they have really done a number there. So one, it seems really disingenuous in the first place to claim this, um, but two. Um, you add to the fact that you have taken wide steps to limit access for these people to be able to vote. Um, you're, you're not getting support from that community. Um, and, yeah, but, and, they're, but they're trying to say that. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. I and, mean, and poor Shea Moss. Um, she was a poll worker for a decade. I mean, a dedicated. And I think it was. Excuse me for interrupting. I, I think you're right. Uh, uh, also, the mother. They needed help that year or something, mm -hmm. the year 2020. And uh, Shea Moss said, Mom, would you mind helping at, at the polling uh, location because we're, we're short? Yeah. Okay. So she wasn't even going to do this. Yeah. Two women that stepped up to help their community and then I know. just totally get raked through the coals. Oh, my God. It is so, I mean, they had to change their names. Mm -hmm. They had to move. Um, I think uh, Ruby Freeman was saying on a news conference that she misses her neighbors and her friends, uh, but she can't disclose where she's going to live now. She has to be pretty much in the witness protection program. Yeah, they were getting really specific, horrific, terrifying threats. Um, yeah. It just it's awful what these two women went through to ensure their people in their community could vote, could turn out. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, so people don't be intimidated. Still vote. Absolutely. Don't let anybody intimidate. If you feel intimidated, report it. Um, we 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 are still a democracy till further notice. That's what I say. And no, really, I'm, I love I, that. I love that. No, we are till further notice. I mean, if if and and, and I'm going to say this. I don't know if people want to hear this, but we are in a very bad state right now because he's ahead in the polls. You know, Voldemort. In he's some, yeah. In a lot, and um, and it's amazing after all that's happened. You know, I mean, I, look, Biden wasn't my first choice either. And, and you and I discussed mm -hmm. this back way back in the day. Um, not uh, no, you know, nobody is perfect, a per perfect candidate. But at least the one thing I can say about Joe Biden is he doesn't want to overthrow the government and he doesn't want to impose a dictatorship in mm -hmm. this country. That's the one thing I can say about him. Absolutely. And that's important to me. Absolutely. Um, the last thing I want to talk about on my end of the end of the uh, ropes here. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about some things that Austin wants to talk about. Um, because it's it's not only my show today. <laughs> we have to share the wealth here. Um, this is a world news thing, and I and I, I very rarely incorporate world news into unless I think it's really 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 important. So the BBC reported that the Europe, uh, European leaders have decided to open EU membership talks with Ukraine and Moldova. Do you think this would be a good idea, admitting those two countries into the European Union, or would it agitate Putin and make him do something crazy or make a drastic move? What do you think? 
Um, I do think it's a good thing. Um, and part there, there's a number of reasons for that, right? So um, in the short run, um, Ukraine has been, you know, Russia crossed the border, physically invaded. Um, that was in 2022, February 2022. We're going to be coming up on the two-year anniversary of that. And that, um, you know, Ukrainian-Russian war has really gone on far longer. Um, you have the annexation of Crimea in 2014, um, different, uh, especially in the eastern portion of Ukraine, um, with Russian-backed separatists that had taken over government buildings. And um, I think I read that there were 29 failed ceasefires um, just in, in that kind of period of like 2014, 2015. Um, and, and now with Republicans in the House, we are seeing they're holding up aid for Ukraine over border uh, disputes with the Biden administration. And I will say I'm I'm a little concerned with some of the things, the ideas that the Biden administration has floated to try and get this aid package for Ukraine passed. Oh, bring it up. Yeah, um, I, I want to hear all the, because I, I didn't get all the specifics because it's not, they haven't even uh, agreed on anything yet. So yeah. this is all supposition, but Go ahead and tell the audience what you what you heard. Nothing's so far. been agreed on, um, but some of the proposals that uh, have been reported as being floated that Biden might agree to uh, would include um, continuing the um, its Title Forty Two policy, which was implemented under Stephen Miller in the Trump administration. That was a COVID po- policy, wasn't it? Sort of. Um, it was done as a public health uh, using an old public health law, but taken wildly out of context to basically restrict the ability of people to claim asylum in the states. Um, and so, to claim asylum in the United States, you you have to reach the U.S. to claim asylum. Um, And Mm -hmm. there previously we had only had an agreement with one country, which was Canada, which was where people could say, like, go into Canada, say, hey, I want to claim asylum in the U.S. And then they would go through an interview process um, and be in Canada for a while before they came here because it wasn't safe for them to be where they had originally come from or or be in other places. Um, During the Trump administration, this was started and it was expanded upon during the Biden administration, which is um, basically people that turn out to claim asylum, we're sending them to Mexico and to Guatemala um, or telling them that you need to um, apply. You you will automatically be declined if you did not previously apply to claim asylum on your way to the U.S., whether that be in Mexico, El Salvador, um, Guatemala is another one, Nicaragua. There's this this whole chunk of countries that we're sending people to that, like, they're not even originally from there. They don't speak the language. Um, they don't have any resources. They are not entitled to or allowed or given any sort of legal representation. Um, and in some cases, they've sent women that were in labor, um, literally in labor, um, back across the border. Um, they've sent women that gave birth here. Um, and then, you know, that child is now a U.S. citizen. They have sent the child and the woman back to Mexico to await asylum hearing. Um, and, and it's, it's, uh, called expedited deportation or expedited, um, basically decision-making on their, uh, asylum plea, which if these people don't say like certain magic words when they're interviewed, you get turned away. Um, There's a backlog right now of over 800,000 asylum cases waiting to be determined. And the the bigger thing that um, immigration advocates have argued for is the places where we're sending these people and telling them you have to wait are not safe, especially for LGBTQ people seeking asylum. Um, There are, are so many issues with violence. And 
many of these countries where we've now got this partnership with have a level three state department um, travel advisory, which says reconsider your travel. You shouldn't go here. But we're telling people seeking asylum that are the most vulnerable. Hey, it's perfectly safe. Just hang out there till we can figure out what we're going to do. Um, and but I'm going inter to interrupt you one second. You, you said before that they're, they're deporting babies that were born in the United States. There isn't are, isn't uh, birthright citizenship still part of the mm -hmm. law in the United States? Mm -hmm. So how are they getting away with The with ACLU is, um, uh, there's actually a, a case on their, uh, or a page on their, um, there's a, several cases that they're working with with women that had given birth here. And then we're literally told, like, yep, we'll transport you to a hospital, like a safe waiting space. Um, and then they wind up back in Mexico while they're waiting for their asylum hearing to come through. And they're not being given paperwork immediately to prove that their child is a U.S. citizen. Um, and they've had to legally fight for that. But isn't um, that on the birth certificate that they were born at that they're hospital? They're not given a birth certificate. There, there are three cases where they were not Bye. given a birth certificate. But anyways, so where I'm going with all this is it's the Biden so administration sick. is floating approving some of these to get the Ukrainian aid package, um, which oh, really? has caused a lot of consternation um, with Republicans and with Democrats. Um, and obviously we wanna get this Ukrainian aid package passed. It's it's critical. Putin's whole plan relies on kind of waiting us out and hoping that we're gonna you know, get tired of it and aid is gonna drop off because that is sadly what happens so many times with with people facing you know insurmountable odds. Um, so I think it's great that the EU is stepping up their, you know, possibility of commitments and and looking at potential membership um, because it is it is critical and important. Um, yeah. These poor Ukrainian people have been fighting this for a long, long, long time. Um, they with, need the aid. They need the aid. And it's, no it's disgusting that Republicans are holding this up and putting Biden in a really impossible position of having to make potentially really awful icky calls to get aid to people that need it, yeah. that we shouldn't yeah, yeah. have to make one call or the other. Yeah, and 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 the president has to, you know, he has to make a deal with the devil. I mean, you you have the Republicans who will not concede about mm -hmm. Ukraine. It's a it should really be Ukraine aid as a separate issue. Send them the money because if if Putin wins that war. Okay, who's to stop him? You know, like, oh, 100%. Do you remember Hitler? Remember the guy? Remember that guy in World War II? You know, um, Neville Chamberlain in England goes, okay, if you take Czechoslovakia, that's okay, but just make sure you stop there. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, you don't deal with despots that way. Despots, 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 despots. Yeah. Despots. Well, and that's the thing. Know. There's no guarantee that Republicans will actually then go on board with this. There's yeah. no nothing in writing. Um, Michael Bennett in Colorado said the talks were really productive, um, but it's keep your fingers. Crossed. It's concerning. It's very concerning. Yeah, well, we, we we still pray for the people in Ukraine. Uh, children are dying left and right. They don't. Mm -hmm. They're freezing to death. They don't have heat. They don't have water. They don't have food. It's it's sick. It's really sick. Same thing with Gaza. Sick. But, um, you know, I digress. Now it's your turn here. We have we oh. have seven minutes left. And yeah. uh, so Austin's going to talk about some things that are uh, pertinent to M Minnesota. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, state issues I basically want to talk about right now because she's the... Uh, the expert in chief on Minnesota politics. Well, I'm 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 just a jack of all trades and a master of none. But uh, Austin, did you have anything you want to talk about uh, regarding um, 
Minnesota politics. Yeah, there's definitely some exciting things that are coming. Uh, so January 1st, 2024, there's going to be a couple new laws that uh, are implemented um, that were previously passed. And these are things that, you know, the DFL uh, trifecta worked hard to get. Um, Dems in Minnesota have wanted to get these things done for a long time. And, you know, this is it, it shows when you elect DFLers, this is what can happen. Right. So starting January 2020 or January 1st, 2024, um, the new paid time off sick and safe leave rules take effect, which means um, pretty much all workers in Minnesota. There are a handful of exceptions, but pretty much all workers in Minnesota have to start accruing um, PTO. And um, for certain, uh, there's there's a level with really, really, really tiny businesses. I think it's under five or six people where they don't get paid time off, but you do still have to allow them to accrue unpaid time off um, or, or take unpaid time off. Um, so th this is huge. And there's a quote, and I can't remember which DFL legislator said it, but this is this is the floor, right, for what businesses should be providing, and they certainly encourage businesses to go above and beyond. But at the base minimum, um, whether you're a part-time employee or a full-time employee, for every so many hours that you work, you will accrue PTO or unpaid time um, up to 80 hours a year. So it, it's great for people that, you know, I've worked many jobs with no PTO um, and and people have to have paid time off. It's just, it it's a necessity, especially, especially uh, 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 people who are uh, just had children, you know, absolutely. they need to be bond with their children. You know, they want, you shouldn't be sending people right back to work after they just gave birth and they went through all that trying time. It's, you need some time to bond, you need some time to be with your, your, your partner or your child. And um, it's sick that they're throwing people back to the, to work without well, I mean, any rest. I will know? say this, this, these laws kind of still do that. Um, and that's why I think the quote about this being the floor is really accurate because it's, you can get six days off. So that that's what you get in a year if you better work, than one. which is better than one and better than none, <laughs> oh, um, but than none, very yeah. much the minimum. Um, and we also have, uh, starting in January, the new red flag laws um, will take effect along with uh, background checks. Um, and these are things that were really common sense firearm safety legislation um, that help protect uh, people in Minnesota. Um, this does not in any way infringe upon anybody's Second Amendment rights. If you're a legal gun owner in Minnesota, um, you know, this does not the government is not coming to take your guns. Um, but if that. if it's determined at a, a point in time that, you know, you are not in a in a good state in that at that point in time that you should not be around your firearms because you might harm yourself or others, um, you know, they can go to court. They have 14 days that they have to hold that hearing within. Um, and then at a later date, um, you know, they they reevaluate and you may get your firearms back. They may say, hey, we need a, bit, a little bit longer. Um, but that's a, a really critical piece of legislation that will protect many people in Minnesota. Um, and then on a fun note, um, there are new license plates in Minnesota that um, people can get uh, starting in 2024 um, in, in alignment with the different um, athletic teams in Minnesota. So the Vikings have one that's coming oh, out. Cute. The Twins have one. Um, I believe the Lynx are also permitted to design one. And there's a, a I think, Minnesota United is another one. Um, so it's it's kind of, that's a fun thing. But um, those are some of the new laws that are going to take effect what, in January. What about the flag? Did they come up with the flag yet? It's narrowed down to three finalists. And I don't know if you saw the fourth, I think it was a fourth grade class where they asked them to give feedback. And I think my favorite comment was the kid that said, this flag is too flaggy. Like it looked too, <laughs> just like a flag. Flaggy. flaggy. That's a cute so, word. I like the yeah. word flaggy. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I, I always thought that we should have some um, funness in the flag. I mean, it, they're too stodgy, I think. Like, you know, um, maybe put, maybe put a, 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 you know, a loon in there or, a, you know, a star, a North Star, because, you know. Well, the North Star State. Yeah, exactly. Or something. Or maybe a loon looking at the North. I mean, you know. Well, I mean, and a loon is in the new state seal design um, yeah, that yeah. I believe that they floated is, would include a loon. Yeah, yeah. One more thing that you said Excuse before. Are, are you okay? Yep, I just hiccuped. I'm good. Oh, okay, good. Uh, we, we, we don't want any more sick co-hosts <laughs> on the show today. No illness. <laughs> anyway, um, we were talking about this before, We, uh, you know, going back to what you were saying about uh, red flag laws, which I think are amazing. But there are two things I wanted to ask you. Number one, um, and you can respond, um, we have states that are surrounding us that are uh, don't give a damn about, you know, you could be a, a total psychotic and have a gun and they don't care. So how do we prevent that issue? Because if Minnesota is responsible and the rest of the states around you aren't, they could still get in there somehow. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. And number two, uh, the AR-15 and those uh, guns that uh, have multiple, um, uh, you know, rounds where you have a hundred rounds and you can kill the, you know, the Ukraine army with one, you know, we don't need this kind of stuff. So what are we going to do about that? We have a minute left. So it, that's a long, a complex question. <laughs> um, so I know in terms of, right, so state borders, and I, I will not, I don't, I'm not an expert on this topic, um, but I know that there are different reciprocity laws in terms of like, ownership and and what you can and can't do in terms of crossing borders with that and and i don't know I, I don't know the specifics of minnesota in terms of reciprocity with gun ownership um and as for uh you know firearms with large magazines um or or automatic uh firing it's it's complicated, right? I can see on one hand, there are people in places like museums that keep some of these pieces um, for historical purposes and study, um, you know, cosplaying as insurrectionists. You don't need those things. No, you no. don't need those things. Anyway, unfortunately, we've run out of time. Thank you, Austin, for coming today. Thank and you. again, we miss you, Matt. We hope to see you soon. Um, thank you for joining us on the Downright Upright Show. Thank you for your support with your clicks your subs and all that good stuff. We're going to wave goodbye. We love you. Happy holidays. Bye.